We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. And this Apple podcast review came from Stephen in Germany, Tommy. Uh, We have listeners all over the globe. Um, Five stars. Nobody transitions from sexual harassment accusations to aging babes quite so eloquently as Kevin and Tommy. I love that Kevin brings his real-world business and gambling skill to the show to analyze all aspects of D.C. sports. Tommy's journalism expertise ensures that no one escapes accountability. Uh, Thank you, Stephen, in Germany. Very, very much. Appreciate the review. Uh, Please review us and rate us on Apple and Spotify. Uh, Apple, in particular, gives you that chance to rate us five stars and write a quick one to two sentence review. I don't know where we're ranked right now in Germany. I guess I could go look for it. Um, All right, here it is. Okay. Uh, In Germany, not so great ranking. We're in the top 200 of football podcasts, um, but we do much better in other areas of Europe. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, Right now in, let's see, uh, in Switzerland, we are the number 20 football podcast in the country of Switzerland. It's pretty good. Uh, Elsewhere throughout Europe... Um, we are in the top 40 in football podcasts in Denmark. Um, we are top 100 in Spain. In France, we're good, 100. That's good. I got people. <laughs> I got people in Spain. Good. Oh, you know what? That reminds me of something. Did you read this story about this hiker who decided to hike from Spain to Qatar for the World Cup? He was. He's now lost in Iran. I mean, it's awful. I mean, I you know. Yeah, that, that's that's awful. I really feel sorry for him. A Spanish man trekking from Madrid to Doha, Qatar. It is pronounced Qatar. That's the official pronunciation. I know some people say Qatar, and that's fine too because we don't care. Um, but a Spanish man trekking from Madrid to Doha, Qatar or Cutter for the 2022 World Cup, has not been heard from since the day after he crossed into Iran three weeks ago, his family said on Monday. Santiago Sanchez, an experienced trekker, former paratrooper, and fervent football fan. By the way, that's the reason that our football 
podcast rankings in Europe and, and I would say throughout the globe, even though we do very well. But we're mixed in with all of what we like to call soccer podcasts. Um, yeah. And it is a World Cup year. Uh, but this gentleman was last seen in Iraq after hiking through 15 countries and extensively sharing his journey on a popular Instagram account over the past nine months. He's 41 years old. His intention uh, was to learn how others lived before reaching the first World Cup host country um, in the Arab world in time for Spain's first match on November 23rd. Uh, They last heard from him in an audio message on October 2nd. That's now 23 days ago, after he had crossed from Iraq into Iran. He had had planned to go to Tehran, the capital, where a television station wanted to interview him. His next step would have been uh, to a port in southern Iran where he would travel by boat to Qatar. Well... Mr. Sanchez. How do you feel about this? Mr. Sanchez. Do you have any feeling about this? Well, you know, my older son. I have a strong feeling about this. Okay, you give me your uh, strong feeling first. I, can I predict if what it walking, is? Yeah, go ahead. If you're going to walk into Iran, you deserve what you get. Well, you're on your own, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's surprising you disappear, then, then you know, you really weren't paying attention. No. No. Um, you know, my older son has traveled a lot, a lot for work, a lot, you know, uh, personally, he has spent time in the Middle East in places like Saudi Arabia. He's been, uh, in places like Jordan and Egypt. Um, you know, I think I told you he was living in Europe, in Georgia, you know, right prior to shortly before, by the way, he was in Kiev or as we used to say, Kiev, Ukraine, about a week and a half before the invasion. Uh, And he just tends to be one of these young people that isn't really concerned about a lot of things. But he um, was back in Georgia recently. This would be the country of Georgia, not like Athens or uh, Atlanta or Macon, Georgia. Um, But the country of Georgia, which the capital is Tbilisi, and Tbilisi's become a very popular European capital for 20-somethings. And he has been involved in business over there for some time. He lives in Los Angeles. I think I've told you this. But he's not really ever concerned about... He pays attention to the world news a lot. But, you know, he just kind of has figured out how to, I guess, stay safe. But I told him before he went over to Georgia recently, I'm like, what are you going over there for? Like, this is not a required business trip. You know, there's a war going on over in those, you know, in that general area. Uh, And who knows how long before, you know, it might uh, uh, impact that country. But I don't think he would go into Iran. Actually, I think he might. (laughs) I think he might do it for the adventure of it. But I'm with you. If you don't know that walking as a hiker into that country as a Westerner might pose some problems, I, I can't help you. I hope, yeah. I hope yeah. it turns out well. I hope that he's just being held captive for some money um, or for some gold and that his family has the ability to pay it. I'll tell my son if he goes into Iran, you're on your own, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I would. 
if he ever decided, hey, you know, we're <laughs> we're going back over and we're gonna we're gonna actually go into Iraq and Iran. I so well, good luck, and I love you so much, and I hope I see you again. But you are on your own doing that. So you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be on the news berating the State Department no. for not finding your son. Okay. I, okay, let me just tell you, I would privately go to the State Department and do whatever it took to get my son back home safely. But I would not be one of those parents that acted like an idiot and said, "I mean, you know, he he's just a hiker and he was just you know on a trip and he was having a good time yeah. and he was Instagramming and blogging the whole time and providing his experience to the world and taking one selfie after another and they just took him hostage and they want money. I don't have the money to pay him. No, I wouldn't be that. I would definitely go to the State Department and I would use all the contacts like Howard Gutman and others to help me get uh, to the right people. Um, of course I would. But I can't imagine. I, I certainly would give him that warning. If something happens, brother, I love you. But And I'll do everything I can. But you're, you're doing something that's really dumb. Well, you know what? You could issue the same warning for people who root for the Washington Commanders. <laughs> okay so boy the nfl's interesting isn't it it's such an interesting it, league it, it, it's unpredictable that's for sure it's so unpredictable last night you know I, I did this thing on the podcast yesterday and i just said we we kind of just have to remind ourselves all the time that um this league will make you look stupid if you, in the moment, after seeing something, decide that you've got the conclusion, that you've got the answer, because it just doesn't work out that way more times than not. There are certain examples, and like, like if you go to bat every Sunday and say Patrick Mahomes is great, you're going to be right, okay? Yeah. Um but last night was the perfect example of what I was talking about on the podcast yesterday. The last time we saw the Chicago Bears, they scored seven points in one of the most hideous performances we've seen all year in an NFL game by both teams. Yes. And last night yes. against one of the best defenses in the NFL, a defense that shut out one of the highest scoring teams in Detroit, completely shut down Cleveland. They've given up 15 points in the last two weeks. They get run out of the building by Chicago, the Patriots did, 33-14. to 14. And I have to say, and I know that you know the stat line may not reflect it, and there was an interception in there, but I thought Justin Fields, who looked terrible against Washington, was it may have been his best overall performance 13 to 21 for a buck 79 through the air I understand and the touchdown pass he threw was a bubble screen but what a job he did in getting that ball to the receiver but he rushed 14 times for 82 yards and the Bears are good on defense I mean Roquan Smith is one of the best players in the league on defense I mean he is something special on defense uh but it's just you it's 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 such an unpredictable league and um yeah you know it's kind it of it is week to week it's not necessarily unpredictable over the course of a season as much but it is week to week uh it is totally unpredictable over the course of a season for 25 teams sometimes more than that you know going into a season if you've got an elite quarterback you know, 
and I say that, and here are Brady and Rodgers struggling, but Brady and Rodgers are much older yeah. now. Um, but I still think Rodgers is elite. Uh, but if you've got Pat Mahomes or you've got Josh Allen right now, you're going to win 10 games and be in the postseason. You can pretty much count on that unless they get injured. Um, but everything else is really hard to predict even before the season starts. And, uh, you know, I do think it's interesting. So, you know, uh, here's another thing. Loud wrong on Matt Ryan. Uh, I've got my arm up in the air taking, you know, uh, taking responsibility. Me too for saying that Matt Ryan was going to be a really good quarterback in Indianapolis. Now, I will point out that, you know, that next-gen pass-blocking rate uh, that I've been looking and paying attention to because of my belief that, you know, that Wentz was part of the problem, but that that the interior of the Washington offensive line was also a, a, a true sieve. And I told you before, you know, two weeks ago, it ranked 30th in pass block win rate. And before last weekend, I haven't seen the updated numbers, they were still 30th. Uh, The Colts were 31st. They have had major problems up front, which Frank Reich essentially said when he benched Matt Ryan yesterday, although also saying he's got a separated shoulder. He apologized. He apologized to him. basically apologized to him, saying that we didn't give you what we promised you. Yeah. And they've had major... In terms of the product on the field. Yeah. Here's the quote uh, from Frank Reich. Extremely difficult decision given the respect and admiration that we have for Matt Ryan, given what he's brought here. He is a pro's pro. This guy is special. We all know at the quarterback position that our poor production on offense is not on one person. It's not on Matt Ryan. We also know as head coach and quarterback, it doesn't matter. Judged on wins and losses, quarterbacks are judged on points and turnovers. We understand that's how it is in the league. Matt will be a pro. Um... I made the following point uh, and made it crystal clear, and I told Matt, we did not hold up our end of the bargain. You came here and we promised you a top NFL rushing game, and we promised you great protection, and we haven't as an offense delivered on that, and that starts with me. That was basically my message to Matt, closed quote. The interesting part of this whole thing is he's got a a grade two separation of his shoulder, and he's had it for a few weeks. And he could have easily said, Reich, Matt's been hurt for a while, and once again he hurt the shoulder again against Tennessee. It's a shoulder separation. He's going to be out a few weeks. We're going to start Sam Ehlinger. And that, that would have been it. But he didn't. He said the move is intended to be for the rest of the season. Yeah. You know, I thought that was interesting. Um Sam Ehlinger, if you're a college football fan like I am, I mean, there was nothing other than him as a runner that was impressive at Texas. And he is going to make – he, by the way, was the third-string quarterback just a few weeks ago behind Nick Foles, but he was promoted to number two quarterback a few weeks ago. And I think what Reich wants, or maybe what Jim Irsay wants – because the, Reich also talked about this being a, a coach-GM-owner decision. Uh, yeah. I think what he wants is he wants a running quarterback right now, and he thinks that Sam Ehlinger is going to give him his best chance as a running quarterback, as a dual-threat quarterback, which, of course, Matt Ryan isn't and Nick Foles isn't. Right. He also, apparently, from what I've read, that uh, 
the, the, the entire organization, team included, has fallen in love with this kid. With Alinger. In terms of his, yeah, with Alinger, with his leadership, with his presence. Now, all those things that have nothing to do with actually throwing the football, they are head over heels, apparently, about this kid. That's That's awesome. I mean, apparently he was great in the preseason. I mean, that's all. That's great. Um, and you know, in co- the college game is much different. And you know, he really was a, an outstanding runner in college. I mean, he threw for some big time yardage and big time touchdowns. But it was a dual threat attack. And with Jonathan Taylor back, <clears throat> I think you know the hardest part about Sunday's game is. How do you prepare for them offensively? What are you going to get from the Colts offensively? You know, they have talent on that team. They have talent up front, even though it hasn't produced. Quentin Nelson is definitely one of the top two or three guards in the game. Ryan Kelly's one of the best best centers in the game. Um, But they've really done a poor job in pass pro. And they haven't run the ball. Jonathan Taylor's been hurt, you know, missed some games. They've got talent on defense. Uh, it's not an, a team without p- some good players, but it's w- preparing. What if, what are we going to get with Sam Ailinger? Let me just mention because this is something I pay attention to. The point spread was five and a half last week. Then after Washington beat Green Bay and Tennessee beat uh, Indy, the line dropped to four and a, four and a half. After Matt Ryan was benched and Sam Ailinger was elevated for his first NFL start. If you had asked me what the line would go to in the moment, I would have said uh, it's going to drop to probably like a pick 'em. This game's got to be pick 'em now. I mean, this guy's never played. He's never played in the league. Yeah. Indy's still a three point favorite on Sunday. So, <laughs> knowing nothing about Sam Ailinger, because he's never started an NFL game, uh, he was third string two weeks ago. And yet, they view Indy and Washington as, you know, dead-even teams, but Indy gets three points for the home field advantage, and so they're a three-point favorite. I've liked Washington a lot, as many of you know, you know, starting with, I mean, shit, I think it was the Philadelphia game. I liked them against Philadelphia. I liked them against Dallas. I liked them against Tennessee. All three of those failed. Um, I liked him against Chicago, and I liked him against Green Bay. So I've won two in a row. I think I've literally picked Washington to cover five straight weeks. I'm not going to pick them Sunday. Wow. That that line reeks to me. It should be pick them. Washington should be perceived as having a bit of an advantage, even though Taylor Heineke is not great, obviously, from an oddsmaker's standpoint. The bottom line is he's played so much more football. And Washington's defense is starting to get a lot of credit from the odds makers. Do you know that Washington's defense right now per true media is the number two defense in the NFL? Now, the true media number does not take into consideration the opposition. The DVOA, Football Outsiders metric, does, and Washington's now the 16th best defense in the NFL. It was 27th three or four weeks ago. Uh, It's now the number four rush defense in the NFL. You know, they've really stepped up. Jack Del Rio and that defense has stepped up. I I don't know. People have been asking me, like, what do you – I'm like, well, Cam Curl came back. 
Uh, they benched William Jackson the third. You know, the change to the coach, Sam Mills, happened in, you know, in August. You know, Ryan Kerrigan was elevated to to a coach, and Coach Z is you know took over for for Sam Mills. I I don't know what it is, but man, they are playing some pretty good football, especially up front, and the linebackers have improved a lot too. Jamin Davis, in particular. Yes, yes, they have. You're right. Uh, part of it uh, is certainly the opposition they played of late. Yep. But you can only play who's in front of you. Yep. You know. Uh, I, I've seen I've seen this defense in the past. You know, it'll become a sieve when they've played bad teams before. So they have improved, uh, and uh, I think the Football Outsiders is a much more reasonable metric in this case because uh, you have to consider some of the opposition that they faced of late, uh, including this coming Sunday. But there's no denying the defense has stepped up significantly over over what they had been. Washington still ranks very low offense, DVOA, 29th in the league on offense. But on defense, you know, right now, 16th, you know, Buffalo's one, Dallas two, Denver three, Philly four. Um, So, you know, think about when you watch teams. I mean, how good, you know, Dallas is on defense in particular. I mean, that's the one that really pops eye test-wise. I think Buffalo does at times, too. I think Philly does. I think Tampa's got the talent, but, man, something's wrong there. New England was seven before last night. Um, I don't know where they'll drop to. Um, San Francisco's a top 10 defense. The Jets are a top 10 defense now. They've been outstanding defensively. Man, they are young and good on defense. Uh, Washington will get Chase Young back at some point. It looks like not this week, but perhaps for the Minnesota right. game. You know, and, and I would imagine yeah. it'll be, you know, it'll be s- spot play. You know, they'll work them back into football shape before they put them out there and risk them. But they've had some really good players um, on defense. Cam Curl, Forrest. I mean, uh, we've mentioned, you know, Allen and, and Payne and, and Sweat a lot in recent weeks. I think the linebackers have stepped up. I think Benjamin St. Juice really looks like a legitimate outside starting quarterback, a cornerback in the NFL, like a good one. Um, and uh, But to your point, and I pointed this out a lot yesterday, Chicago and Green Bay are really, really struggling offensively, but then Chicago goes and puts 33 points up at New England. Three turnovers. Yeah. There you they go. They got three turnovers, but still, it's, it's you know. Washington shut them down in the red zone. Remember, they did get to the red zone a few times, and then Washington yeah. shut them down. Speaking, speaking of Green Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers was, was unbelievable on Sunday. I've, I've never seen him or many quarterbacks of his stature uh, basically beg off like he did so much. I mean, he was almost a conscientious objector. I mean, they'd tighten the ball, he'd say, no, you take it. I don't want it. I'm not holding on to it. <laughs> he, 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 he was severely, he seemed to me, really compromised. Now, I'll give the defense some of the credit for that, but there was something else going on. Well, I said yesterday it really was like it was a hot potato. Like he yes. he wanted to get rid of 
But I, but I, I don't know it was because he was a conscientious objector, like he wanted to beg out, like he wanted to, to, to quit or, or tap out. I do think something's wrong there. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the something wrong is that he ended up staying and signing the big extension and then Devontae Adams left. I mean, this team desperately, desperately misses Devontae Adams. This team is weak up front, too, and they've had injuries up front. Their best you know, offensive lineman has been out, Bakhtiari. Um, they, their best receiver, Lazard, got hurt during the game. They came in with a game plan that was scared. Uh, it was a recognition that Washington was another good defensive team that they were facing, like they had faced with the Jets the previous week, that they were going to have a hard time running between the tackles, which they you know, tried to avoid, and that they were going to ha- have a hard time protecting. You know, it's interesting. We have so many conversations all the time about how the elite quarterbacks can overcome you know, uh, a bad team around the elite quarterback and still win. Now, Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old or whatever he is now. And, you know, it's not maybe the Aaron – maybe we are seeing the decline of Aaron Rodgers. You know, we didn't see the decline of Aaron Rodgers last year or the year before. You know, he's he's, he's an MVP winner um, uh, multi-times here in the last few years. I – the bottom line is if you can't protect even the greatest of quarterbacks and you don't have people who can separate quickly in the game that's played today – it does prove that even the best of the best are going to struggle. You know, if he's yeah. got a bad O-line, but he's got receivers that get open immediately like Adams did, then you can survive. He's got nobody that's creating separation, and he's got a bad offensive line. And then on top of it, they're not able to run the ball effectively. Although I think they should be things, able to run the ball better. All those things are right, but... Here, here's uh, what I would say. I'm not questioning Aaron Rodgers' manhood or anyone's manhood who steps on a football field. I would never do that. Uh, but I've seen other quarterbacks in similar situations still hang in there and take the shot to try to get the ball to the receiver. He had no interest in doing that Sunday. Well, that was the game plan, he Tommy. Got... That was part of the game plan. I know it was the game. Yeah. that was the game plan, but he's got the ball. Doesn't matter what the game plan is. Once the ball's hiked, the ball's in his hands. Um, okay. <laughs> I uh, I understand that. The point is, is that they weren't taking big shots. That's not the, the the game plan. The game plan was to get it out as quickly as possible, so that he didn't have to take the shots that he had taken the previous week and even in the game in London against the Giants. And by the way, he still took some big shots in the game on Sunday, but. Um, it wasn't. He wasn't holding on to get a deep. Sh- they dialed up a couple of them off play action, especially the rollout play action, um, where they moved the pocket a little bit. Uh, but he wasn't that. He, I understand what you're saying. There's something wrong. There's something wrong in Green Bay. There's something wrong with Rodgers, no doubt. But I don't think it was him lacking toughness on Sunday. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It was just an uncharacteristic performance. I tell you what, he's no Taylor Heineke. I can tell you that, buddy. <laughs> I know. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on him. Let's get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I've got a good story for you. You also have something you want to tell me. We want to get to Taylor Heineke uh, as well, and a few other things. We've got to get to Bryce Harper. I want I want your reaction to Bryce Harper. But we have a new sponsor as part of the podcast, which started last week or maybe the week before, our good friend um, uh, uh, Bob and the great place, which is Shelly's Backroom Cigar Bar downtown. Tell us about it, Tom. Well, let me tell you a story about Shelly's back room, and this pretty much illustrates the kind of reception you're going to get when you go to Shelly's. I was there on Sunday night after the Commanders game, uh, and I was sitting at the bar, and some guy came up to the bar and sat down a couple of stools away from me, and Tony, the bartender, the best bartender in the city, uh, you know, he, he tells Tony... Uh, look, I'm a novice when it comes to cigars, so maybe you could help me. So Tony takes out the cigar menu. Yes, they have a menu of cigars there for your selection. And, and basically takes the time to describe a lot of them, you know, find out what he might be looking for, and, and explain and describe the various choices. Very, very meticulous and very patient with them to do this. Uh, and then they pick out the cigar that he wants, and Tony cuts it for him, lights it for him, uh, and the guy, you know, eventually went home happy. You know, he he basically got what he wanted. Uh, he he had he had a, he was not a cigar guy, but he was looking to have a cigar, and he had a good one at Shelley's. And th- those are the kind of stories you're going to find there uh, at Shelley's back room. Now, the one thing he did say, as uh, when the guy was saying. I'm not sure what kind of cigar to buy. Is Tony pointed to me and said, "Just don't get anything he would smoke." Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> but uh, but they have a great selection of cigars there. Uh, they have a great selection of whiskeys. Uh, they have a, a great menu, late night menu, if if you happen to stroll in late at night, and it's just it's the place where. I mean, if you want to watch football and unwind and have a drink and, and you don't want to socialize, people will leave you alone. If you do, they'll welcome you in. Uh, it's at 1331 F Street Northwest, and uh, it's a one-of-a-kind place. And uh, You know, come in and see me. I'm there a lot. 
I'll be there Thursday night again after teaching for my post-class cigar. Uh, and uh, come by and say hi if you come in. Great spot. Um, uh, and head down there. Great part of town, too. Uh, okay. I I want to rip through a couple of things here before we get to Taylor Heineke. I want to tell you a quick story. So on Saturday morning, um, remember, it was a beautiful day Saturday, uh, sun uh, out. Um, I am out, and I get a call from home saying, we've got bees in the house. I'm like, okay, well, is there a window open? What's going on with the bees? No, there are yellow jackets flying around downstairs in the house. So I'm like, oh, God. I, by the way, I hate bees. Uh, I'm not allergic to bees, but my father was allergic to bees, Tommy. And it was one of the um, phobias as a kid because my father was deathly allergic to bees and had to carry around, you know, that um, EpiPen thing shot. EpiPen, you know? yeah. And so, uh, which, by the way, he never did. He was supposed to do it, but would never do it. So my father and I would be out fishing or outside, and bees are flying around. And, you know, I'd be like, did you bring your thing? No, it's fine. I'm not going to get stung. So it was always a, a an area of angst for me as a kid. You know, the thought of my father getting stung by a bee and potentially dying from that sting. He, he was um, very allergic. Anyway, so I get home. And I walked down to the area in which the bees were apparently in the house. And there were a few yellow jackets flying around in the windowsill um, uh, d- down below. And I ha- we had this, you know, bee spray. So I sprayed some of it, and then I swatted a couple of them and killed them. And it looked like there were no more bees. Anyway, I, I, we do have, you know, a service that comes out and sprays for, you know, outside the house and, uh, you know, for, for bugs, one of the, you know, um, ex- right. exterminator services. I'm not going to tell you which one, cause I don't feel like doing that right now. Hopefully they will correct their mistake. So I called on Saturday, the main number, the customer service number. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Sheehan. I will put this through, dispatch this through to the person in your area. Okay. Didn't hear back from anybody hour, two hours, three hours, called again. Ooh. Yeah, they're, um, it's very possible you won't hear back from somebody until Monday. And I said, Monday? I'm like, there are bees, there are bees in my house. <laughs> like, I, I, I've, I think I've managed to, you know, uh, p- p- you know, sort of minimize the problem but there, there were bees in our house. I don't know if the nest is, you know, next to the windowsill or whatever it is. And I looked outside, you know, uh, over the windowsill, and there were a bunch of yellow jackets flying around. So clearly there was a nest nearby. <clears throat> Long story short, nobody gets back to me. But, it, oh, man. It, but, but the weather turned cloudy and a little bit rainy, and there wasn't an issue the rest of the weekend. You know, I think we had, I think the spray had gotten them. By the way, I hate using those sprays inside. I mean, who knows what's in those things? And we have dogs, yeah. So I we just kept kept everybody, uh, you know, from downstairs. So I I get after my call on Saturday and and the lack of a response, I actually get sent one of those surveys. Can you tell us how your call <laughs> with us went? <laughs> so I filled out the survey, and let's just say. 
um, you know, the answers were, you know, zeros to five. There were nothing but zeros. And then there was an area to, 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 to list your comments, and I did. And I essentially said, if I don't hear back from somebody ASAP, we will be switching our service on Monday. And so then I get my tech, the guy that comes out. And, you know, with this, we're new in this house. By the way, the tech that we had, the guy that we had in our old house, oh, my God. Kip, you are one of my all-time favorite people. Great dude. <laughs> His name is it Kip. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it is Kip. Um, uh, no, oh, my God. Is yeah. that your name? No, that's my Kornheiser name, but that's actually really his name. Great dude. Uh, big fan of the shows. And, you know, big hoops guy. We talked hoops all the time. Anyway, he's not the tech since we moved from Maryland into D.C. There's this new guy. And, you know, my wife has already said a couple times, do you think this guy knows what he's doing? I'm not really sure he knows what he's doing. <laughs> like, we get these notices that he was here and we didn't see him. <clears throat> anyway, he calls. I can be out there tomorrow morning. I finally got a call on Sunday night. Or Monday, uh, Monday yesterday. Oh. can be out there tomorrow morning. And I said... Yeah, you better get here tomorrow morning and find out where the nest is and get rid of it, or, you know, that's it. My wife just texted me and said, he showed up and said, yeah, I, it's it's not sunny, so I can't find the nest. My wife said, well, whether it's, if you knew you were coming here and it wasn't going to be sunny, why didn't you just call us and say you can't find the nest if it's not sunny out? Because it's not sunny out, and come back when it is sunny out. But isn't, you know the sun irrelevant you know we told you where the general area is isn't it kind of you know i don't i don't know how this works i don't want to be critical of the job that he's either doing or not doing because i don't have enough information on what it is he may be right maybe he can't find the nest without the sun out but here's the bottom line it's tuesday and we had bees in the house on saturday listen listen if there's any insect destruction people, companies out there listening to this right now, <laughs> you need to get on the phone. You need to send an no, email or a like tweet to like Mr. Sheehan here yeah, like and that. say, I'll be out in your I house can, in five minutes. I could have texted Kip and he would have been over in 10 minutes. Same company, too. So I don't want to. That's part of the problem is that we had a great experience before. But I don't know. I, I think if you've, like, when you are that kind of a company, there are urgent situations. You're telling me that they can't, they don't have a team of people available in the, fa- in, in, cause bees don't know that it's Saturday versus Monday. They're, they're not, <laughs> um, they don't know that. Uh, and they decided to come into my house on Saturday, which apparently was the wrong day for them to come into my house. Oh God. You know, I'm surprised at you. You don't, for a guy who's relatively, I, I would say, a relatively tough guy, you don't exert pressure the way I would expect you to. I'm not sometimes. an. I, in those situations, it takes a lot for me to come become a total a hole. But when I become one, <laughs> it's a good one. And I, <laughs> okay. I no, I mean, I, I mean because I would have, I would have used the words allergy and lawsuit. <laughs> Well, I know. My second phone call. That's your move. I mean, everybody's canceled and everybody's going to get sued. I can't. That's not. That's not the way I handle it. And and again, I will tell you this. Well, you still have the bees, don't you? They're still there, aren't they? No. If they were still in the house on Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday, yesterday, obviously I would have gone ballistic. 
but they weren't. You know, we went down. I kept going down over and over again to make sure that they hadn't come back. I mean, the spray in the general area in which they were, I think, pretty much took care of them. Plus, I had a towel out just whacking a bunch of them. And I and and I'm telling you, I hate bees. I hate bees. I can deal with spiders. I can deal with, you know, raccoons and all the different wildlife that, you know, ends up in in garbage cans at night. I can deal with all that. Not bears, for those of you that have tuned into the bear conversation with Cooley. Um, But uh, bees can't stand bees. God, don't like bees at all. But I, I, you know, I couldn't, I had to go down there and do something since my service wasn't responding but anyway, okay, uh, you, you're, today you're going on a boat ride. Can you just quickly tell me about your boat ride? Well, I'm not sure about the whole details. Uh, it, apparently there was a battle in Bladensburg, Maryland, during the Revolutionary War, yes, maybe, there, or yeah. the Civil War. No, it was the Civil War. It was. It was C- a big, Civil War. Civil- no, 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 no. The, the Bladensburg battle was in the War of 1812. War of 1812. 18, you know, 12, 18, 13, 18, 14, somewhere around there. A friend of ours, a friend of actually one of my wife's college roommates, her husband, uh, as a volunteer, uh, runs a tour boat for the city uh, out there where they, you know, kind of reenact or describe or, you know, illustrate the, the battle. And uh, we've talked about doing this for years, so we're finally doing this. We're going down with uh, some of her college friends who are coming in from out of town, mm-hmm. and we're taking this boat ride that will be hosted by, you know, the, the husband of one of my college, uh, my wife's college roommates. So that's what I'm doing uh, this afternoon. So, and apparently, Bladensburg in four days will be celebrating its 284th birthday. Wow, which which makes it the oldest city in in Prince George's County, and then we're going to dinner at Franklin's. You ever been to Franklin's? I've heard of Franklin's, but I haven't been to Franklin's in Hyattsville. It's okay. a pretty cool place. Yeah, pretty it's, offbeat. It, okay. Um, yeah. why am I blanking on the name of the seafood place that is in PG County that we used to go get all the deliveries from, and those big crab bombs? Remember those crab cake bombs? Don't you remember those? You you know what? Sometimes that was more the Monday morning quarterback show. And the food would come in for Andy, the two of us. And then anybody who was there during that. Why? Jerry's. Jerry's Seafood. Jerry's Seafood. I want to say that that might be an Upper Marlboro. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Let's get to Taylor Heineke. So what did you think? Well, look, I could tell you what I thought, but let me use the words of an NFL expert, Brian Baldinger, mm-hmm. who recently I like tweeted I like out. Yeah. Well, everybody likes Baldinger. He's yeah. pretty good. Uh, he tweeted out, Taylor Heineke is a good fit at quarterback and was in command throughout. Big throw after big throw, especially in third down, to keep possession and keep scoring. That'll speak for me. That's it? But it's not do you think not, he, it's not unexpected. Do you think he watched the first half? I'm being serious. Do you think he just watched the second half? 
Because hey, I don't think he probably watched the, the, the first half, okay. per se. At least the, the first quarter, at least. Well, no, the, three, four-fifths yeah. of the first half. You know, did, okay. Because to say that he was in – did you say that he said he was in total control throughout? Yes. Yeah, that – he didn't watch the first half. No, no, okay. he didn't. But I like it. Took him, it took him a while to get his sea legs, but once they did, once he did – he was he was he was surgical. He was Taylor Heineke. He was the better quarterback for this team. He always was. Okay. It doesn't mean he is the quarterback for this team in the future. But right. for right now, the guy they gave up draft picks for and they're paying twenty eight million dollars to, he's not a better option. I, you know, it'd be hard to really debate that specific point. That right now, you could make an obvious case that Carson Wentz is a better option. You can't, based on what we saw from Carson Wentz in six games and what we saw in the second half from Taylor Heineke. You know, you can't make that case. I I don't think that it's like this slam dunk. And I'm going to say something that for some people who are listening, and maybe even you, um, is going to be really difficult to swallow. Uh, I don't think at this point I'm anywhere near saying that when Carson Wentz is healthy in three and a half weeks that he shouldn't get his starting quarterback job back. I am not ready to say, sorry, he's lost his starting quarterback job. I watched the first half. I saw what I saw, and I don't and haven't forgotten that it's not the first time we've seen it. See, I I tried to make this distinction yesterday, Tommy. You can really like Taylor Heineke because all of us do. He's so likable. But you can also say... You don't think he's a good quarterback. Now, you're saying something different, which, by the way, I want to point out, I think is a little bit different than the way you thought last year at various times because I think you did buy in early in the season anyway until it became very clear. Um, But you thought that there was a chance he was the quarterback of the future at one point last year. I think a lot of Taylor Heineke fans did. You know, and now I, f- I find it, you know, kind of moving the goalpost, which is typical, which is, well, I'm not saying, and I know he's not the quarterback of the future. I'm just saying he is who we have now. But you'll change that in three weeks if he goes out and, and kills it in the next three weeks and they win three games. You'll then say he is the quarterback of the future. That's what I'm predicting. Well, anyway. you have to be an idiot. Not to be, not to not to change your position based on the evidence in front of you. I understand that. But not you. I, I'm not, not you. You want to stand on that island, that <laughs> island that you've carved out for yourself. As it, as the water slowly goes up on shore and it starts to sink, and you planted your Carson Wentz flag that you didn't even want to plant. Oh, oh whoa, 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 Mike, plant a Carson Wentz flag. What are you talking about? I thought you were going to say p- plant the I don't believe in Taylor Heineke flag. Yeah. when I've never been pro Carson no, Wentz. Said, you just said that he, right now you don't think that in three weeks he would be a better. And, and no, I, weeks. what I said, let me, let, me be, let, me, let me clarify if it wasn't clear. What I said is that today 
you can't get me to commit to Taylor Heineke being the starting quarterback even when Carson Wentz is ready to play. I, I can't commit to that after the half I saw. And after, by the way, you know, not forgetting that we've seen that kind of football before from Taylor Heineke. So I know that you are 100% convinced that they are much better off with Heineke, even though you understand now that he's not the quarterback of the future. What I am saying is I do think it's really hard at this point to debate that Carson Wentz is better or has given them a better chance to win than Heineke is giving them right now. But I'm not ready to bail on Carson Wentz when he's ready today for Taylor Heineke. Well, look, Kevin, that would be foolish to do that because we don't know what's going to happen in the next three weeks. Of course we don't. I mean, if Taylor Heineke – I mean, so I, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, that this is it, it's over, but I don't expect to see much different from Taylor Heineke in the next couple of weeks. I don't expect to see him play poorly enough that they would feel uh, confident enough to put Carson Wentz back. But today – I mean, you'd be a fool to say that, okay, that's it. He's a starting quarterback. What you could say, though, pretty obvious, is that the team likes playing for this guy a lot more than they did the other guy. Uh, no doubt. And that the coach likes and that the coach likes him, too. Well, I think Scott Turner, the coach, the I think coach, Scott Turner is, yes. The coach, yeah, the coach who read the analytics about Carson Wentz, <laughs> he pounded the, tape, the yeah. podium about the analytics. Yeah. You know, I think he likes the other guy. I, I find it interesting. You make you just made this comment. I don't I am confident that I think we're gonna see from Taylor Heineke the next three weeks what we saw on Sunday. Like like it was great. It wasn't great. It was horrifically awful in the first half. It was as bad a, 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 a half of quarterbacking or of a quarter and a half of quarterbacking as you can get. So if we see yeah. that kind of performance, you know, the first half and the second half, the next couple of weeks, I will 100% be in favor of going back to Carson Wentz or at that point going to, uh, to Sam Howell. Because I don't believe Carson Wentz in Carson Wentz's future here. I do believe that if we see what we saw from Taylor Heineke overall for the next couple of weeks, then Carson Wentz should come back and get another opportunity. To, to, to play because th- then I've seen enough. I mean, 90% of the fan base on social media was screaming for Sam Howell in the, at halftime. Let's not forget that. But here, it's funny because Ian, one of our callers to the radio station for years and somebody who started calling into our show years ago, um, he, he, you know, he made the point this morning and it's such a good one. And it's, it, it goes for anybody in any aspect of life. That's truly likable. You only focus on the moments that are great. You kind of conveniently forget the bad things. And Taylor Heineke is so likable. His story is likable, his leadership, his style of play, everything about him is likable. I like him a lot. I love the competitor that he is. Um, but we conveniently forget that what we saw in the first half on Sunday, we saw a lot last year. <laughs> Nobody wants to you remember forget, some of that. You also forget. You also forget the mitigating factors. First of all, he was just coming into the game. Okay, uh, he was not the same quarterback in the second half. Uh, he's playing this year 
with a lot more offensive weapons than he did last year. They, that, when, when he was falling at the end of last year, the team was falling as well. They were pretty much decimated. It wasn't just COVID at the end of last year that he else. had bad games. <laughs> I mean, there were there were bad moments throughout, long before the COVID stuff. Oh, I, you're you're conveniently remembering. The, you're you're conveniently remembering that. Look, you're on an island. You're standing I'm there all by a, yourself. I'm actually not and on it's an about island. To say. There's no chance yes, I'm are. on an island. I'm, I'm, you are. You, you're, you're, a lot of people feel this way, but that's really not the point because my point is what we saw Sunday is what we've seen and what we'll probably continue to see. I mean, he had a horrific game against the Saints last year. That was long before COVID. He had a terrible game against Denver. Do you remember the end of the Denver game? Um, you know, Do you the, think he's the same? Do you I think- don't know. By the way, yeah. at that point, he was an XFL backup starting in the NFL. Do you think he's the same quarterback now that he was then? I, I, I think we saw a little bit of growth on Sunday in the second half. He made some good decisions. But, of course, everybody's going to grow. The issue is what can he grow to? Um, I, I also think this idea that he was, you know, he was jittery, he was tight, it, it goes against everything that he's been. The reason we think he'd be a great backup quarterback is because he never gets jittery. He never gets nervous. Look, the first time he came into a game against Carolina and hadn't played but like a game and a half in the NFL, he was great. The first game he started against Tampa Bay, there were in the playoffs, there was no jitters. So to me, that's a that's a convenient, you know, current uh, Sunday narrative as to why he was so awful in the first half. No, the point is what we saw in the second half. We've seen a bunch of from him, which is really excellent play. As long as everything around him is working, which you can say about everything in the you know a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, and what we saw in the first half wasn't something we haven't seen before. And so all I'm saying is that not, at, at halftime, 90% of this fan base wanted Sam Howell to come in in the second half and never wanted to see Taylor Heineke again. And then after the game, everybody conveniently forgets the first half or the games in which he played just as poorly last year. I'm just saying I love him too. And by the way, right now, uh, you know, if I were truly invested like I used to be, as as a massive you know fan hardcore fan I'd be all you know all on board this is the right way to go for right now this was a blessing in disguise and by the way you're 100% right the team believes in him more than they believe in Wentz and I think Scott Turner is much more comfortable with Taylor Heineke and, you know not that he believes in the upside but he's more comfortable in in calling a game with Heineke he trusts him more no doubt um but I just think what we're going to see is kind of what we've seen. Sunday wasn't that much different. I mean, the first half was an extra level bad, but it really wasn't that much worse than the game he had against the Cowboys or the the finish that he had against Denver. We kind of we forget a lot of these moments. He's had some really bad moments and he's had some really good ones. It's hard not to well, root for him though. That's for sure. Moments, now there'll be a lot of moments right in the present. Yep. And we'll all be able to make our decision uh, in the next couple of weeks. Look, I think it's more than Scott Turner. I think what we saw on Sunday, a uh, little bit in the post-game press conference, was really more evidence that that report that Dan Snyder wanted Carson Wentz was probably more accurate than we first thought. Um, 
I don't know. I think it's, you know, a lot. When, when, we, heard, when we heard Ron Rivera say, you know, what's the differences between the two, and his answer was both have merits, what is that? Both have merit. No, I. I this is the guy you. This is the guy you. That you. You. You put your 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 reputation on. You traded for the analytics. Told you to do this, and now both have merit. <laughs> the analytics. The, the analytics reference about being an indie when he got so upset was so absurd. I mean, he really, really wanted everybody to know that that this was his call, and the owner had nothing to do with it. And I, by the way, I'm sure the owner supported it and was all gung ho because it's like I, you know, I've heard of Carson Wentz before. He must be good. But I think I think I, it was the owner's idea, just like it was the owner's idea to get. Uh, Donovan McNabb, just like it was the owner's idea and Bruce's idea to go get Robert Griffin the third. Um, I don't. I, 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 you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's not, you know, in play. And I'm, I, I do think, you know, as we talked about in the moment, that that trade, everything about it, reeked of desperation. You know, they didn't land Russell Wilson, and maybe it was a blessing in disguise that they didn't land Russell Wilson. Yeah. But that aside, they were super desperate. And we've seen the reporting now that they were definitely sniffing around Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, there wasn't, you know, I, I heard this from very good sources, and I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. The, the reporting that a deal was imminent, Schefter had that. Uh, with Garoppolo until Garoppolo decided to have surgery, I did not hear that it it was imminent, that the parameters had been set and agreed to on Garoppolo. Um, I do think that they were definitely talking to the 49ers about Garoppolo, but Garoppolo was going to have that surgery, and that backed Washington off. I'm not even saying, by the way, I want to make sure I'm clear, that Garoppolo wasn't the preference over Wentz. But the Wentz deal, Tommy, the next day we sat here, and I said it just reeks of desperation. I mean, they got completely taken to the cleaners on this deal. I mean, they were negotiating against themselves. It reeks of, we have to get somebody that people have heard of. And, you know, there were red flags all over it for for obvious reasons, reasons that many of you who are listening wanted to ignore and wanted to blame on Jim Irsay or blame on Doug Peterson leaving Philadelphia. No. Um, But with all that said, the, the, the... I think Ron Rivera's comments, and and I took note of them as well. I just think it's him just always kind of forgetting what he just said. And that he had just, a week earlier, left a press conference after saying, essentially, middle-fingering everybody out there and saying, no, Wentz was my call, damn it. Um, And then a week later, you know, he's giving kind of the indication that, yeah, I mean, Taylor's kind of always been our guy. I mean, he didn't say that, but it's certainly, you know, the the, the question of quarterback, you know, the uh, quarterback controversy came up yesterday. I just think, look, I have no idea what's going to happen the next couple of weeks and 16 and a half games now or 17 and a half. You count if you count the playoff game or if you count Carolina, it's kind of 18 games in total that he's played. Maybe he's learned so much and becomes so much better, and he's got his hips moving, that the arm strength is back. His arm didn't look any stronger on Sunday. Um, Not that that's the end-all, be-all, but I can tell you this. He is likable, and he's got a lot of attributes that are really high level. And if you run the football, and you play good defense, and you're not playing a great opponent, you know, um, you've got a chance to be a competitive team with him for 
seven to eight, nine games out of a year, but not 11, 12, or 13. No. That'll no, never I agree. Happen. I agree. Look, look. They're, they're going to be looking for a quarterback at the end of this year. I agree. Okay. I would agree with that. Okay. okay? And here's also, I mean, I think we pretty much have seen that they're not going to be a four or five win collapse team. They're pretty much going to be what we thought they were going to be <laughs> right. at the end of the season. Yeah, but an eight-win team, maybe nine wins if they're lucky, but that's it. That's the ceiling. I mean, it's the you know, it's the NFL pendulum. It just swings back and forth. You know, before the season, we both thought I predicted eight, eight, and one. I mean, major cop out, but I really thought they don't stink, but they're not good. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to have meaningful games after Thanksgiving. And then, you know, they're one and four, and I, you know, I'm reading the power rankings where they're ranked 31, 30, 31, and 32 with you, and none of us are disagreeing with those rankings, and we're both saying this is a bad football team, ladies and gentlemen, a bad football team. And then they beat the Bears and the Packers, and it's weird to say this about the Packers, but two teams that aren't very good right now, even though Chicago won again last night, and the pendulum's back to, you know what? They could win seven, eight, nine games again. And if they beat Indy on Sunday with Sam Ehlinger at quarterback and they're four and four, they're going to be the seven seed when the day ends or tied for it, more likely than not. And then we'll say, eh, they got a shot to make the playoffs. And then two weeks after that, after they get clubbed by Minnesota and Philadelphia, yeah, they're really not a very good team. This is what we have in store for us the rest of the year, and I think when it all shakes out, they'll be like a seven or an eight win team. Yes, maybe nine if they get lucky. If it's nine, Tommy, it's nine because defensively, because and I mentioned this to Standig on Monday, and I don't think I mentioned this on the pod yesterday, so I'll mention it to Tommy. There's one difference between this team right now being three and four. Last year's team, remember, got to two and six, so they were two and four. Uh, they the big difference is last year they were a mess on defense. Now they were facing much better quarterbacks, much better offensive teams. Understood, but they were a mess on defense. Something was wrong. You know, we have not heard from Ron Rivera in three or four weeks about adhering to the scheme maturity, responsibility. Yeah. Haven't heard any You're of it. Right. This is a better dif- defensive team this year. And, yeah, the, the opponents have something to do with that. I understand. But it's a better defensive team. It's a smarter defensive team. And if it is nine, it'll be because they were really outstanding on defense, by the way, like they were in 2020 towards the end. That, that only got them to seven wins. Um, but – uh, it, it, you know, on the flip side, on the flip side, so, you know, you know, you were talking about, you know, he's got better weapons. He's also got a better defense this year. Heineke does. Um, the, the flip side is the division right now is the best division in football yeah. with three teams yeah. that, are, that are, you know, really, I mean, I, you know, I still am not sure what to make of the Giants other than they're much better coached. And I, you know, I've always thought that they had better players, but they're they're lacking in some areas for sure. And how how long can you walk the tightrope of needing Daniel Jones to take you on a game winning drive at the end of the game? He's done it in five of six of their wins. You know, a fourth quarter game winning drive. Here's, it's amazing. Here's how I describe. But, yeah. Here's how I describe the Giants. You're going to have to beat the Giants. They're, yeah. they're not they're not going to lose. You're going to have to beat them. Sure. 
that 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 okay. and there's a certain toughness that comes with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, you're right. The Giants are are a, a mystery at this point. Uh, and you talked about the running game and how if the formula that they used on Sunday, if they continue with it, could get, bring them some success. I think that uh, with the with the now a healthy Brian Robinson in the mix, uh, I think they'd be foolish not to run the ball more, and particularly with Heineke as well. There are a lot of things. I mean, that... I, I predicted I, I predicted they would gain over 150 yards rushing on Sunday. They had 166. Did you predict a win? I forget. That's the path. Yes, I did. 27-20. Yeah, that's right. I did. And I predicted a 17-14 loss. I picked them to win. I know. In most of the games this year, I picked them to win. Yeah. Um, I went through this on the podcast yesterday, but the game, you know, the second half of the game in particular, um, and remember, they benefited significantly from – the other side being inept offensively. Inept. Yes. They also benefited clearly, as Nick Ackridge from PFF, who was on with us yesterday, pointed out, that Taylor Heineke had five turnover-worthy throws in the first half, the most by any quarterback in a game this season, and he had it in a half. Um, That Rasul Douglas essentially dropped two, if not three, picks. Um, He could have been picked off four times in the first half. Probably should have been. But... Um, if even right. even without you're, you're, even you're without right. the picks, the you know giving the ball back to the other team, if the other team had been capable offensively, they would have been in big trouble, and the second half may have been meaningless. But the second half happened, and the second half was very eerie, eerily similar to the four game win streak. They you know I pointed this out yesterday, Tommy. They had a seventy one to forty seven play advantage in the game on Sunday. In the first win of their four-game winning streak last year against Tampa Bay, a 71-47 to play advantage. Uh, the time of, of possession advantage was 37-23. It was 39-21 to against Tampa. The Carolina game that they won, 65-49 to in plays, 36-24. to The pass, the run-to-pass ratio, you know, Sunday it was 38-33 against Tampa, 34-32. Uh, now, against Carolina last year, it was 40 runs, 22 throws. They really ran the ball well in that game. So you see what the formula is. By the way, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. It's not just a Taylor Heineke formula. I'm not saying this to diminish his ability to drop back and throw the ball, which is not very high. But it isn't for most quarterbacks. You can't ask quarterbacks, 20 of them, to just drop back and sling it. You can't ask Carson Wentz to do that. You know, so a running game is a quarterback's best friend. A balanced attack is a quarterback's best friend. And you saw that Sunday, and they're playing, you know, Indy and Minnesota the next two weeks. Indy is starting a third-string quarterback who just became a second-string quarterback and has never played. And then in Minnesota, the Vikings, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm paying attention because I pay attention to players that I like. They are winning games every week. They're 5-1 and one because Kirk Cousins in four of those games has driven them down the field at the end of the game for a game winner. And so they're playing very close games. They are not good on defense. That's a winnable game at home against them. And then they get the Eagles on a Monday night. So you got a chance here to have that four-game win streak from last year a little bit earlier in the season where it matters more. 
Uh, it would all, you know, I'm not saying that that would get them to the point where you've got a stretch run that they can dominate because they, you know, play the Giants twice. They play the 49ers. They'll play the Browns with probably Deshaun Watson back and they play the Cowboys. Um, but, uh, you know, it certainly would get us to Thanksgiving, which is always the goal with still (laughs) some playoff possibilities, playoff scenarios, as Sheehan would say. All right. You got anything else on the game? No, let's talk some baseball. Uh, Let's do some baseball when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This segment of the show brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. You may have a place where you're currently wagering on sports. I would suggest to you that you need two places. I don't have one place. You should always have a second spot where you can comparison shop on point spreads, on money lines, on pricing. It'll really matter at the end. You know, if you're just making one bet a weekend, it's not going to matter. If you're placing multiple bets each weekend, you want to get the best possible point spread and the best possible pricing. And by the way, my bookie has fair point spreads, but very fair pricing compared to some of the other spots you might be gambling uh, on. I mean, if you're paying more than minus 110 on a loss, you're paying too much. Go to mybookie.com, mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC. They'll match your first deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. That's free money in your account, and, and it will give you, if you've already got a place, a second place to wager uh, with. Uh, it makes uh, sense if you're doing this, and again, if you're doing this, tread lightly. It's not for everybody, uh, but mybookie's a great spot. Mybookie.com, mybookie.ag. KevinDC is the promo code. Bryce Harper. Before the playoffs started, I said to you, I really can't wait to watch Bryce play. Uh, watch I know. Bryce Harper play because I think you're, he's such a clutch player. You're as big a Bryce Harper fan as as anyone I know. I love him. I've 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 just always loved him. You know, Tommy, I went back yeah. and looked at this the uh, when he hit the home run the other night because I specifically remembered him being super clutch even in those playoff losses to the Cardinals, to the Giants, to the Dodgers and Cubs. Game five of the St. Louis game, uh, St. Louis series in 2012. Two for five with a home run, a triple, and two RBIs. He was so big 
in that game that they blew the big lead in. The San Francisco series where they could generate no offense in that series. And you claimed that they lost the series because of pitching. Whatever, I don't want to get into that debate again. He had in that series in four games, three homers and four RBIs. Three home runs in four games. Uh, and in the deciding game when they got beat 3-2 to two in San Francisco, he was 2-for-3 with a home run and two RBIs. In the Dodgers game five, um, he was 1-for-3, two walks. Not, you know, not a super productive game, but not a bad game. 1-for-3, two walks, and the 4-3 loss to the Dodgers in game five. In the Cubs game five that they lost 9-8, 2-for-4 with, uh, with a double uh, and an RBI and a walk in that game. And then you watch what he's doing here. He just, he's just so built for the big moment. It's his whole life he's been, he's been built for this kind of a exactly. moment. Exactly. Yes, you're right. I mean, in a way, we should have seen this coming when he stood out among other 16-year-olds, you know, to the point where he could, he could leave high school early Go play for one of the top junior college baseball programs in the country and help them win their World Series. Yeah. At an age where kids are still in high school. I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, it may have taken him a while to get where he, he finally belongs, but he does belong at the top. You're right. Tom, he is... He's one of the, you know, I, I, I brought up Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan yesterday. I'm not saying that he's Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, two of the, I mean, probably one, two in some order in terms of the most, uh, you know, accomplished uh, athletes of all time. I know you don't want to call a golfer an athlete. But in terms of delivering in the biggest moments, which Jordan did and Tiger consistently did, that's what he does, and he did it the other night, and I think there's more to come in this World Series. And, and I, 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 I sat there, and I watched that game, and then I watched all of the postgame. I mentioned this yesterday, but it was like uh, Big Poppy and I think it was A-Rod both said, my God, he's standing on that stage with the National League MVP trophy in his hand, pennant, uh, uh, championship series uh, MVP trophy in his hand, and all you can see in his eyes is – when is my next at bat? When do I get a chance yeah. to come up big again? He is one of these guys that is so narrowly focused on his thing. And Barry was on with me this morning, Barry's Verluga, and he said, it's very rare when you say about a guy that he's m- much more apt to come up big in Game 5 of the National League Championship Series in the bottom of the eighth with a runner on down 3-2 to two, than he is in a June game in an empty stadium in Miami against the Marlins. He is so, so perfect for these big moments. And we get another one, and, and they, you know, he plays Dusty Baker. You know, and I know you're going to be rooting for Dusty, right? Right. And you think they'll win the World Series. Houston's a minus-190 favorite to win the World Series. Yeah, I think Houston will win the World Series. I think Philly's flaws will be exposed against uh, I mean, a, a great, a absolute great Houston Astros team. But that doesn't mean Bryce Harper won't have his moments. Bryce Harper, who, who Dusty Baker used to bring homemade food in from his wife to make sure that he ate, when he was here in Washington, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but uh, I think it's going to be a great series. I think it is. 
I hope really to, looking forward. To uh, it sucks that we have to wait until Friday for Game One, but um, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's like I'm with you on Dusty. There's just I I I love Dusty too, and I did. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but I I asked Barry this. I am assuming you agree that Dusty, whether he wins this World Series or not as one of the, of just a dozen managers who have won more than 2,000 games, is a Hall of Fame manager, right? No. Uh, he's, he's taken five different teams to the postseason. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is, there a, a is, there, a, is there a debate about it or not? No, not anymore. Not when you, not when you, not when you, you know, been out of baseball, you get, you don't, you don't get your job in Washington renewed. Mm-hmm. And then you walk into the biggest shitstorm we've seen in our lifetime, maybe in baseball, with the Astros cheating scandal, and then turn around and take that team to the playoffs during COVID. You know, uh, no, 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 no. He, I mean, he's taken five different organizations to postseason play. Uh, that's not a coincidence. Okay, uh, you know, he doesn't keep getting hired in places uh, that. Uh, that are already made to win. They need Dusty Baker. When they hire Dusty Baker, it's because they need Dusty Baker. Yeah. I I mean, I, I wish that, you know, um, I, I'm rooting for both of them. Either result's going to be a, a good one because to see Dusty at – how old is he right now? I how, think he's 70. I think he's 70-plus, Yeah. which I think he's the oldest manager in World Series history. Um, Dusty, well, exact, maybe 73. 72. 73 years old. 73. Okay, that's it. He's he's older than Jack McKeon, who had who had thought, been the I oldest thought Jack manager. McKeon, I, I thought he was like in. I thought he was close to 80 when he was managing a World Series. No, no that was 2003. Okay. Jack McKeon still working for the Washington Nationals. I might want to point out as a special assistant to Mike Rizzo. Wow. Uh, okay. I, I saw him a couple of months ago. He's still doing great. He's 91 years old, Jack McKeon is. Amazing. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, it'd be hard not to be thrilled for Dusty. And by the way, du- like you, you mentioned Dusty bringing in the food for Bryce. I mean, he knows what he's facing over there. No doubt. Like, those managers all knew what he was, even if he wasn't the most popular player, you know, in, uh, you know, in that dugout. Uh, they knew oh, how he, great he, he was. wasn't. I know he wasn't. Yeah. I know he wasn't. But yeah. he apparently is a lot more popular in Philadelphia, and maybe that just comes with age. You know what? You know what? Married, two kids. Yeah. We've seen 30, not, not 19. Yeah. Right. Me... I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure he's matured to the point where he's more tolerable to be around. It took you till you were 50 to become tolerable. Um, <laughs> all right. What else? Uh, I guess you'll be back Thursday, and you'll predict the – Colts game, and we'll talk about that then. Yeah, but right now I've got to put my captain's hat on and head for the Battle of Bladensburg. (laughs) Do it. Uh, Back tomorrow with Cooley. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 